Welcome to the June edition of Dr. Blackgrass On Air. Like many of you, earlier this month I was at the cereals event and discussion amongst many farmers was that it's been quite a bad year for blackgrass. I spoke to Peter Brumpton of AICC for his thoughts on this. I'm here with Peter Brumpton, AICC. Uh, Peter, certainly driving around the country and uh, going into a few fields, there seems to be quite a lot of blackgrass this year. Is that just uh, uh, my opinion or is that the actual case in the field? I think quite a bit is probably an understatement to be fair. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly a lot different to last year. Last year we had quite good control, this year is totally the opposite. So it's uh, one step forward, two step back, I'm afraid. And what do you put the difference down to? I think the weather primarily, to be fair, but it, the attention to detail probably gone a little bit, but uh, we need to up our game again, like we did last year, and, and get back on track, really. So this year, your, your clients, were they sort of putting on this, a similar sort of pre-emergent stack? Very similar, yeah, probably even a bit, a bit stronger, to be fair, but obviously the weather affected that and it didn't do what it wanted to do, really, so uh, yeah, not good. So what changes will people make for this year? You said sort of more attention to detail up, our, up people's game. Is there anything else people can do? Yeah, I think just the same messages really. Later drilling has obviously had a good effect on some farms. Try and do that and where it's not having a good effect we probably go to spring cropping on a wider scale really. So at the moment maybe it's done you know, as, a, as an occasional thing in the rotation. Are you thinking it might be even 50% of rotations in years to come? Quite potentially, yeah. I mean, on, certainly on the works backgrass farms, most definitely. I mean, the other thing is bringing the ploughing a bit more. But then on some of these stronger farms, it's trying to plough to a quality and we really want to be match ploughing so we bury everything and really do a proper job. OK, and the, the other big concern people have at the moment is that glyphosate potentially not being available or available for much less uses. What are your thoughts on that? It's not good news, obviously, but uh, hopefully we've got it. But obviously we're going to have to use it smarter, and that's going to be the message. Use it at the right time, in the right occasions. So are there any any uses for it that you think maybe people should be shying away from, maybe pre-harvest desiccation or anything like that? I think potentially we will lose pre-harvest desiccation. Uh, it's unfortunate, but from a blackgrass point of view, it's not the end of the world because probably at that stage we are too late anyway. And uh, just moving away from blackgrass, are there any other weeds, broadleaves or grass weeds that are causing people a bit of a nuisance at the moment? Yeah, poppies is really resistant poppies are coming on big style. and That's ALS resistant poppies? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and certainly, again, it's, it's trying to protect that uh, sulfonylurea with another active that's not resistant. And that's what I've been trying to do in a lot of situations this time. As I discussed with Peter, a restriction on the use of glyphosate is a big concern for all farmers, not least those with serious blackgrass. At Cereals, I spoke to Dr Paul Gosling of AHDB for his take on the situation. This was recorded in the run-up to the vote on glyphosate usage, which took place at the end of June. On the 28th of June, the EU Commissioner announced that the decision had been made to extend the approval of glyphosate as an active substance in Europe for another 18 months. Some of the discussion you're about to hear is speculative as it took place before the vote, but the majority of it is still highly relevant for people using glyphosate as part of their weed control programme. I'm here with Dr Paul Gosling from AHDB. He is um, part of the Crop Protection Division with a particular focus in weeds. Um, At the moment, there's a lot of concern about glyphosate from two angles, really. The first one is the re-registration in Europe, and the second one is the potential for glyphosate resistance um, in Europe. European weeds, which you've already seen in weeds in the USA and other parts of the Americas. Um, let's start with the re-registration. What's the situation at the moment, Paul? We're still waiting for the EU to make its decision. Uh, the vote has been delayed several times already, uh, which is rather disappointing. It's that glyphosate is an important active 
um, for UK farms and across the whole of Europe. The farmers are really w waiting on the, the, the vote to go through and we're, we're hoping it'll be by the end of the month when the registration um, ends, uh, but we really don't know what, what, what the situation is in Europe. It's, it's, we, we didn't think it would go this, this far, but it's, so anything could happen, I think, at this stage. Okay, and yeah, and sort of reading the media reports so far, there's the possibility that it's re-registered for the, the full duration, which is 15 years, a shortened amount of time, say six or seven years, or an even shorter amount of time, 18 months. Which one of those is likely to happen, and what would the impacts be on farmers? Well, we've seen various compromises proposed, and every compromise seems to be a shorter and shorter period, and as you say, we're down to 18 months now, so I think that's, that's the most likely scenario. Um, obviously, that's going to mean uncertainty for farmers again, um, which is it's not ideal at all. Um, but we have to um, we have to deal with what Europe throws at us, I'm afraid. So, if we do have an 18-month re-registration, we're really in sort of re-registration period immediately after that decision is made, aren't we? Yes, I mean that 18-month period is to, is to cover um, another report that will come out of Europe on the potential um, cancer-causing properties of glyphosate and that, that's why they're talking about an 18-month registration to see what that, the results of that is and then I would imagine if that's a, a positive um, result, I, there's no, no evidence of, of cancer-causing activity of glyphosate, they would then go for a, a longer registration but as we've seen with this, this registration, anything can really happen in Europe. It's, it's um, a, a political game as much as a, a scientific game I'm afraid now. And are there likely to be any recommendations for changes of use or of, uh, restrictions on pre-harvest desiccation or that kind of thing or restriction on the number of applications in a season? Well, we have seen those sort of um, proposals put forward and I think Greenpeace are, um, are compromising or appearing that they might, might accept some sort of compromise in, in terms of restricting use pre-harvest or perhaps the number of applications per crop. But... Uh, as I say, we really don't know what's going to happen at the moment. OK, and uh, worst-case scenario, glyphosate is uh, banned or its use severely restricted. How will people go about weed control then? What are the options? I think if we see a, a complete ban, then we're into a, a very difficult situation. You'd see a, a lot more cultivation, a lot more use of the plough, which obviously has its own environmental um, implication, more fuel use. I think some farms, it would uh, because of the extra cost and time involved, you could look at it, it pushing at businesses that are already under stress in terms of, of, of economics that have been pushed perhaps a little bit too far. Um, we might see some areas that very severe black grass might have to go into fallow um, because we just haven't really got adequate tools to control um, black grass and very severe infestations of black grass without glyphosate. And has any research been done on the potential economic impacts of a ban, like how much it would cost? each farmer or each maybe wheat farmer in the UK? There has been some research done um, and it's, it's, it's making some businesses look very marginal um, so it's, it's not good news at all and I think it's not just in the UK, across Europe um, there, are, there are farmers and, and certain systems that would struggle without glyphosate. Okay and then as I mentioned before resistance to glyphosate in weeds is also a concern. What's the current situation in the UK? Currently in the, in the UK we have no confirmed cases of resistance um, to glyphosate. Um, obviously in the US they've got a, a big problem in, in other parts of the world driven by GM crops, um, herbicide tolerant GM crops. We have, herbicide, we have glyphosate um, resistant uh, ryegrass in Europe and obviously the, the, with so much blackgrass around and so much um, glyphosate being applied in this country there's a concern and we've seen um, in glasshouse studies you can push 
black grass into resistance if you if you do really silly things with it and use too much glyphosate. Um, so we've got a project at the moment which is looking at how you can sensibly use glyphosate to get good control of black grass, um, but not uh, push the resistance too hard. And that's a five-year project. It's coming to the end of its first year now. That will obviously give us some um, better answers as how to manage glyphosate um, and give us some improved guidelines for growers to preserve the active because, as we've already said, that without it, people with serious blackgrass problems would really struggle. OK, and what is the, sort of the, the basic advice for farmers in the field at the moment for protecting glyphosate's activity? What we're really saying at the moment is Yes, you can use glyphosate on stubbles to control your blackgrass, but you you really need to ensure that any survivors from that blackgrass, any any individuals might be if not resistant, have a higher tolerance. They need to be destroyed by some sort of cultivation. The real high risk situations are where you, you apply glyphosate and then there's no follow up cultivations or other means or other actives going on that would kill those potential survivors. So partic- particularly um, high risk situations are no till or strip till. Um, where you're going in and, and the, those cultivations aren't being followed up and there's not a, an adequate follow-up herbicide regime to kill any potential survivors. And uh, is, from the research you've done, is resistance to glyphosate, is that a target site mutation or is that a, an enhanced metabolism type of resistance? Well, globally, if you look at the um, glyphosate resistance in different species around the world, there's, there's several different mechanisms involved. So some are target side, but a lot is uh, enhanced metabolism. And we're seeing in UK blackgrass populations a, an increasing tolerance um, to glyphosate, which is um, enhanced metabolism. So I think that's probably what we would see. Um, there's probably a, a number of minor genes involved, which are each, each give you a small increase in tolerance. And when you start to add those up, um, you, you get towards a resistance situation. Okay, so um, finally, you've said that they need to use other actives. Obviously, there is resistance to other actives as well. What if glyphosate is really the last, the last weapon that farmers feel confident of using? How can they go about protecting it then? Is it just more cultivation, as you mentioned? Well, I think a, a robust pre-em programme um, is, is really the, the backbone of um, blackgrass um, control, certainly, because the, the post-emergence herbicides are, are under a lot of pressure, um, and if you're relying on those, um, A, you may not get good activity, on, uh, certainly on some populations, um, but even on the populations that are still um, susceptible to those post-emergent herbicides, you don't really want to be relying on those because that's just going to push more resistance to appear. OK, thank you very much, Paul. Thank you. Paul reminded us that farming without glyphosate or with many glyphosate-resistant weeds would be a real challenge. One farmer who's trying to stay ahead of the curve is Richard Hinchliffe. Richard is a Nuffield scholar with a project looking specifically at weed resistance in the UK but taking learnings from all around the world. Richard and I both visited Bayer's research facilities in Germany last month and Richard gave me an outline of what he's dealing with on his farm and what he's hoping to find out with his research. Yeah, we're uh, a family farm uh, based in East and South Yorkshire, uh, 1,400 acres growing combinable crops. We've got about a third of that area where we've got problem black grass, so it's an important weed to us. And uh, how have you been controlling black grass so far? What's your strategy been? Um, we're, we're moving towards a more cultural method of control. Uh, as time goes on, chemical chemistry isn't working quite as well, so it's all about integrating uh, weed management these days. 
Okay, and uh, you're obviously quite interested in the weed control topic because you've become a Nuffield scholar looking at weed resistance around the world, is that right? That's right. Um, I'm a 2016 Nuffield scholar for the United Kingdom. My project title is, it's quite a mouthful, Herbicide-Resistant Weeds, Investigating a Sustainable Future for Arable Farming. I'm looking at a whole wide range of things. I'm particularly interested in glyphosate resistance because I think it's a, a, a real danger to the UK arable sector because it's it's a real good active ingredient. It's a once in a hundred year discovery. It's not going to come along again. Uh, cultural controls such as direct drilling or cover cropping or mixing mixing rotation. So anything new, interesting seed destructors in Australia, you name it, I'm, I'm looking to find it. Okay, and uh, we're here in Germany at the Weed Combatant Centre, and we've, we've both actually visited the glass houses and so on. What have you learned during this trip? Uh, it's a global problem, which we already know. It's, it's, it's good to see so much resource and looking at trying to solve the problems, some of the mysteries on actually how resistant works, uh, and actually for level of testing of, of, of weeds from around the world, uh, it, it just reinforces some of the things that you, you've uh, read on textbooks and online. And what about on-farm decisions? Will you change anything? It's, it's reinforced what we're, we're trying to do. Um, one of the main things that I, I like to think about is that if you're doing something and if it's working, then um, you need to change it straight away because you, you need to do something different while it's still working okay. to pre- prevent it from breaking, yes. Exactly. So um, where next on your Nuffield travels? In three weeks' time, I'm heading off to the United States, so I'm, I'm getting in a car in Chicago and driving right down to North Carolina over a month period. And uh, what are you going to be looking at there? So I'm going to be meeting with uh, manufacturers, chemical manufacturers, university professors, farmers most importantly because they're the guys on the ground, agronomists, uh, so that kind of thing. And do you have any idea what sort of weed problems they're coping with over there? It's mostly broadleaf weeds, which is totally different to our problems within the UK, but some of the principles are the same. Okay, and would you be able to come back once you've been to the States and give us an update of what you found out? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Richard. And as discussed, Richard will hopefully be coming back onto the show later in the summer to give us an update about what he's learnt. That's all we have time for this month. By the time of our next podcast in July, the first combines will probably have been through a couple of early maturing crops and thoughts will already be turning to post-harvest control and cultivations. We'll give you a full update of all the options available to you then. But until that time, goodbye. Goodbye.